Hello, hello, everybody. This is Amy with The Heart of Healing. You may have forgotten who I am by now. I have so much to talk about today, and I will try to keep it within my 20 minutes or less framework since I don't have a guest this week, but what a crazy couple of weeks it's been. If any of you have followed my Twitter or Instagram, you know that I got incredibly, incredibly sick with a virus that I have just been referring to as the plague, and it took my voice from me, and I don't mean like the raspy, you know, Sofia Vergara voice that I have going on today. I mean like full on, I had to whisper for weeks on end, and it really tested me in a lot of ways. I find it incredibly ironic that my last podcast I recorded before getting sick was about persistency over consistency because I have this track record of not following through with things because they cause me anxiety and I don't know how to go back to things that are causing me anxiety if I get derailed from circumstances either within my control or outside of my control. So my podcast has been very important to me and kind of my project and my real life implementation of the practice of persistency. And I have been so proud of myself that I have stuck with it every week for the first six weeks after I went live. And it was really devastating to me that something actually outside of my control was preventing me from recording it when I felt like I had put every system in place to ensure that I did not get derailed with my podcast. I thought I was safeguarded by recording like a week or two of content ahead of time instead of just my very next podcast. And I simply didn't imagine that something would A, not only happen and B, happen so quickly after going live. And I'd just be sitting here after, you know, a week of being sick with no content whatsoever and still no voice to record a podcast. It was very anxiety inducing to say the least. I would wake up every morning and I would open my mouth to speak and no sound would come out. And I would just think to myself, are you kidding me? (laughs) I just have to have faith that everything happens for a reason. And this was just kind of meant to be. And it was something that taught me a huge lesson. And that is, first of all, to listen to my own advice and to have grace with myself and understanding and that I don't have to be perfect. I think it was also a lesson in just being honest with people and not shutting myself away from the world when things happen outside of my control. In the past, when something would go wrong, I would feel guilty about it, even if it wasn't my fault. And I would just seclude myself and not update people if they were relying on me for something that like this other thing was keeping me from doing. And I would compound a problem just by completely shutting down, or I would turn a problem into my problem that probably wasn't even mine to start with by just letting it affect every aspect of my life with unhealthy coping. I have this habit of taking responsibility for and feeling shame for things going wrong that I can't control. That's something I really want to talk about today. It's one thing to feel guilty about something that you've procrastinated on because of laziness or maybe someone that you intentionally hurt, but it's another thing entirely to feel guilt or shame about things just going wrong because sometimes life is life and 
I think that's very much a trait of someone who has experienced past trauma or manipulation or emotional or physical abuse. This situation really opened my eyes to that habit that I have. I take on so much stress and anxiety and responsibility for other people or circumstances that I have zero control over. The best way that I can explain this, and I know every single one of you has most likely experienced this feeling in some capacity. Have you ever watched like an award show or some live news broadcast or even been in the audience during a speech and someone was like totally screwing something up or said something super awkward and you can't even help it. Your insides just like cringe for them and your mirror neurons are firing and you're dying as though you were actually that person. That is the best way I can describe the knee-jerk, almost innate sympathetic reaction that I feel from things often outside of my control. It's simply put, taking on stressors that I have no business or reason to take on. And sometimes it happens almost subconsciously. I can tell you, hands down, this is a trait that I share with almost every other close friend that I know who has been through trauma. I'm always making the comment and have talked about this in past podcasts that I wish I could care less about the things I authentically need to care less about. And I'm not saying I want to become an ice queen, but there are things that are healthy to concern ourselves with. And there are things that are unnecessary and unhealthy to concern ourselves with. For me and my personal experience and upbringing, I believe this is due to being groomed to protect my family image and my family dynamic. It was not a behavior that was taught to me to encourage sympathy or empathy or compassion. Rather, it was a behavior that was expected of me and was kind of twisted and put on me so that I would put other people's perceptions and emotions before my own with the end goal being that no one would have any idea that our home life was completely dysfunctional. So even though I had a very dominant personality when it came to fighting back against physical abuse as a kid, I had an extremely passive personality from an emotional standpoint. I was that kid that would get plowed into by some classmate in the hallway of school, and the first thing out of my mouth would be, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, even though I had done nothing wrong and they were the one that barged into me. I still do this. I did this to my son in the kitchen just the other day, and he said, mommy, you know I'm the one who walked into you. Why did you say you were sorry? I was the one who was apologizing to my significant other coming home from work and feeling stressed and they would take it out on me. I was constantly trying to take on the stress of those around me and felt it was my responsibility to fix it. I had someone tell me once that I was a doormat and he said it in kind of a contradictory sort of way. He said, for such a strong, independent person, you can be such a doormat sometimes. Well, first of all, that was kind of a mean, cold-hearted way to put it. And this was coming from someone who turned out to be incredibly manipulative and emotionally abusive. But at that time, he wasn't wrong. What I didn't realize was that he probably loved that trait about me because he could manipulate those emotions and that guilt that I would take on. But at the same time, he did hit the nail on the head. I don't prefer the word doormat. I think it's kind of a nasty way to simply say someone has a passive personality or has been victimized at some point or allows themselves for whatever reason to continue to be victimized. But 
that mindset when it's so ingrained in you for so long or at such a young age becomes incredibly pervasive in your everyday life and your work relationships, your regular relationships, friendships, and even your parenting. You become that person who never wants to make waves. You avoid confrontation and you take on way more than what you should be taking on from either a responsibility or stress standpoint to fix situations or please people that you have no reason to fix or please. I always talk about this and describe it to my friends as like reminding me of a sponge. When you squeeze a sponge, when a sponge is held underwater, having all the air crushed out of it and you let go of it, it doesn't self-inflate back with air again. It fills itself up by sucking in the water around it. That's kind of how I visualize this trait that I have. My upbringing and my past trauma just kind of squeezed all the life and the air out of me. And when the grip of those things released me, I just started sucking in everything around me, trying to survive and fix things. And maybe I didn't just suck in the problems around me. Maybe I started sucking in the problems around somebody else. And pretty soon I'm just full and heavy and waterlogged with stress and anxiety. And I don't know what's mine and what belonged to someone else. The cool thing about healing from your trauma is that one of the first things you learn and you experience is an increase of self-awareness. As a matter of fact, that little light bulb moment, that flicker of self-awareness may be the very first thing to signal that you need to fix your trauma or that there is something wrong. Self-awareness is kind of like a switch. And once that switch is flipped, it illuminates the shadows and corners that hide all that negative coping or those survival habits that no longer serve us. Sometimes it can be overwhelming and it can be kind of scary to suddenly have these self-awareness glasses put on and to be looking at our life through that lens because we go from just living passively, abiding by our symptoms of PTSD or past trauma and just kind of living in ignorant bliss or ignorant chaos, not even realizing to what extent they've had a grip on our lives to suddenly realizing all the things that have been controlled by our past But once you start realizing and accepting that it's not the things that you do, it's the things that happened to you and your past, self-awareness becomes a really amazing trait because it helps us to know where to start and where to focus our energies. It helps us understand where to put up boundaries. It helps us to control fear and anxiety and maybe even rename fear or eliminate it altogether in certain situations. Mindfulness and self-awareness are the most important aspects of healing. I am so incredibly glad that I didn't wait until I considered myself fixed before I put this podcast out because I think, first of all, I've done enough work and experienced enough self-awareness and I've practiced enough mindfulness that I have a lot to share on the topic, but I also think there is so much to be gleaned from the learning experience and the process of healing itself. And I want to put that out in the world, even if sometimes it means admitting ways that I've screwed up or backtracked, or if it means being really awkward or uncomfortably vulnerable or looking like I do not have my life together. Because let me tell you, I do not always have it together. But the one thing I can promise you is that I am doing that work and I will keep sharing this with you guys. I'll be completely honest with you. There were several days over the course of my podcasting hiatus when I was sick and had no voice where I just sat down and cried. 
I mean, like the whole works, wondering why the universe always has it out for me, wondering why there are people out there who can put their minds to something and nothing ever goes wrong. And I had quite a few pity parties. And then I wondered if maybe I should just throw in the towel because the universe is telling me this podcast wasn't meant to be. I worried that the hard work I had put in creating my first six episodes and trying to connect with other people who would enjoy and genuinely benefit from my podcast, which is wasted work, and those people would feel like I had let them down because I was sick, or that even worse, they would think that I just didn't care or I wasn't taking my podcast seriously. I worried that people would judge me for not having more than two episodes built out to safeguard myself. But the fact of the matter is that People are actually a lot freaking cooler and a lot more understanding and forgiving than we often give them credit for being. I know there are other people out there listening to my podcast who are experiencing similar feelings in their everyday life right now as a result of past trauma or abuse. I think that stress and anxiety osmosis affects us in so many ways and We don't necessarily even see it until someone points it out. I had a habit of making excuses for people who treated me poorly, and I didn't see it as an unhealthy behavior or enabling or allowing myself to be a victim. I genuinely thought that it's just what you did to be a good person and to have empathy. I was never able to differentiate between allowing myself to be victimized or used and just thinking I was a kind-hearted, caring person. I was kind of raised with that belief that we all have a cross to bear and we don't ever just cut someone off regardless of how unhealthy their behavior is. Like family stick it out, friends stick it out. And of course there's truth to that in a healthy home dynamic, but I'm sure many of you were raised with a similar message or were instilled with a similar core belief system. Some families and some relationships and situations are very in-your-face screwed up, and the abuse is not hard to spot. It's not hidden. But in my experience and among many of the people that I've connected with, the opposite dynamic seems to be the most prevalent, and that's just grooming a victim to believe that whatever type of abuse is happening is their fault, they're deserving of it, and their terrible choices or awful behavior has not only warranted the mistreatment or abuse, but is also harming another person or the abuser. And this is used as a means of control. I was taught to put my mother's emotions and feelings and needs before my own because my mom was very much my dad's prize. He put her and their relationship on a pedestal. And my family dynamic and my abuse was very unique compared to many of the friends that I have talked with growing up and that my dad did not abuse my mom. And from what I recall, he never laid a hand on my mom. Usually, well, I won't say usually, I'll just say speaking from the people I've talked to who experienced physical abuse, it was very prolific within the family the mom was abused, other siblings were abused. In my home, it was very much directed toward me and me specifically. Now, I won't say my siblings didn't go through abuse. They absolutely did in really, really crappy ways, but we're also very far apart in age, so we kind of all had that only child dynamic. Everything in my experience, in my time growing up in my home, was done to protect my mom's emotional well-being. 
And so she would leave for work or an appointment and I would immediately be growled at by my dad to clean the house, to do this, to do that. And he would sit on the couch, have me make him food while he was watching TV and just bark orders at me to basically do his bidding. But it was always under the guise of, you need to have this done before your mom gets home. Your mom is working so hard. Your mom is under so much stress. And if I did something wrong or I didn't do enough, or if he just woke up in a crappy mood and decided I was the enemy, then everything hit the fan. But what that taught me was that my wants and my needs and my physical safety was not important and it meant nothing but that other people's needs and wants were more important. Another way that that mentality was used to control me and to protect our home life was, for example, one time I went to my aunt and to my grandma, and I told them that I did not live in a physically safe home. And my dad's way of responding to that was by becoming extremely angry with me, but not because of what I had done specifically, just telling me how my actions and my quote unquote lies to my family hurt my mom's feelings and devastated her and betrayed her. And I felt absolutely horrible. And I felt so ashamed of myself for opening my mouth and saying anything. I felt extreme moral injury for betraying my family. And then I thought that maybe he was right. Maybe my aunt and my grandma just, you know, did have it in for our family and that they weren't actually trying to help me. They were just meddling and they just had something against us. And in addressing the situation that way, he was able to completely divert any of my thought process away from the fact that I was living in an abusive home. And instead, I just felt crushed, like I had torn our family apart or ruined people's perception of us and hurt my mom's feelings. It was extreme manipulation and it was very calculated and it's incredibly unhealthy. I believe some abusers do it simply because it's what was done to them and it's just kind of what they know and so on and so forth, but some are very premeditated. It has taken me many, many years, decades even, to recognize that this is something that was done to me and I don't have an inherently vulnerable or weak personality. I would say for all the things I have been through, an abusive childhood, extreme family dysfunction, teen pregnancy, teen parenting, the death of one of my children, the demise of a marriage, incredibly abusive relationships, I have an immensely strong and resilient personality. And I'm just now seeing that because I'm peeling off those expectations and lightening my load and putting up boundaries and refusing to take responsibility for things I have absolutely no need to take on. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, I truly think everything happens for a reason. I will tell you, so help me, I don't always know what the reason is and sometimes I don't know that I ever will in this lifetime, but I have to believe that things happen for a greater good and a greater purpose. And I can tell you without a doubt, my hiatus in podcasting and my laryngitis and my emotional struggle that I dealt with these past few weeks was an extremely important step in my healing journey. And I'm just really grateful that I'm able to share it with you guys. My next podcast will expand on the topic of releasing ourselves from certain perceived obligations and toxic relationships just a little bit more. And after that, I'll be talking a bit more about moral injury, which I lightly touched on today. And it's something that I think is incredibly important and one of those crazy themes that's been popping up in my life really regularly lately. 
And I think it's just kind of the world telling me you need to talk about this. As always, I would absolutely love if you would rate, comment, and subscribe. I always hate putting that at the end, but I want my podcast to reach people and to help people. And if you could just do me a solid and give me a review or share this podcast, if it's something you truly find valuable, I would absolutely, absolutely appreciate it. I'll be kind of streamlining my branding going forward, but I do have a Twitter where I would love to connect. It is at THOH podcast. And my Instagram is still at Amy in the desert. Amy is A-M-I-E. I'm currently working on a website and I will probably eventually switch all my social media over to that at THOH podcast, the heart of healing. But for right now, my Instagram is still just Amy in the desert. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me and just know going forward, I will have several weeks pre-recorded content so that I don't ever have a lapse like this again. And also yay for learning curves. Thank you so much, guys. It was absolutely amazing talking to you this week, and it's been amazing just plain talking in general, and I will see you guys again very soon.